0: welcome to the edupeers podcast where we tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth in education and things that i want to talk about today we got a special guest with us We got one of my fraternity brothers from the Omega Sci Phi fraternity. Uh Dr. Paul Miller. Dr. Paul Miller, introduce yourself. Tell tell these people
1: who you are. My name is Dr. Paul Miller. I am the current CEO and principal at Green Tech Charter High School in Albany, New York. Um, We are a very successful school that runs and operates under the conditions of all males and about 97% black males with over 87% poverty. But yeah, we have a 95% graduation rate almost every year. Wait, stop, you know, stop, stop,
0: stop, stop. Hold the press, bruh. Hold yes, the sir. press. Yes, what did you say that graduation rate was? 95%, bruh.
1: This 95% is, this is annu- annually. annually.
0: And, and and what types of what types of colleges are you
1: sending these kids to? Um, The, the way the, the data works out, I believe we had 59% go to four years. We had uh, um the other uh what is it thirty uh forty one percent went to two years in our last disaggregation of the data last year, yeah, and we sent them all o- all over the country, bruh, you know we send them all over the country, we had over ten million in scholarship money last year, we had a hundred percent acceptance to college, yeah, and this is every year every year our numbers look like this Man, we this we, is, we kill it
0: this is amazing bro. this is this is this is this is bruh so so I was telling you <laughs> earlier. You know, this is my leadership series and uh, throughout the rest of this month and next month, I'm probably going to interview maybe five to 10 African-American school leaders that I want to talk to that I feel like I can learn from. Right. And you happen to be the first one up. So congrats. Thank you, man. Yeah. Thank you. It's an honor
1: and a privilege. Good brother. I appreciate you.
0: Yeah. So (laughs) so before you got into school leadership, you were a teacher. Talk to me about that. Like what, what, what did that look like for you?
1: So I was a teacher. I taught for five years and I was a physical education teacher. Mm-hmm. So I started off and I was, um, I played football, got hurt and kind of had to look at myself and say, what do I want to do? And the only thing that I could really think of is that at the time I enjoyed sports and I enjoyed kids and that was keeping me off the streets from doing other stuff. As a, And so I said, you know what, and then, you know, I got to give back to kids. And and do it that way. So I was, a, I was a phys ed teacher for about five years. But while I was a phys ed teacher, what I was realizing was is that my hands were tied with a lot. Like I could only do so much. Like there was so much I could do, but there was so much I couldn't do. And anytime there was leaders, most of the leaders were making decisions about what was right for them and for adults, but not really what was right for kids. <clears throat> so like I felt like, dang, I, I need to be part of the solution and not the problem. I got to do something about it because I was really unhappy and really miserable with the decisions that were getting made. And so I didn't want to just be a complainer. So I had to figure out what to do. And my thing was go back to school, get a master's degree, um, you know, get in a position where I, I'm, I'm the person in authority. So that's kind of what I did. I went back, got a master's degree in uh, educational administration. And I, I, I acquired my first position, as a assistant principal and I did that for about seven years now this, and this, even this, in the assistant principal position that was where in Rochester. Rochester New York so okay. a little bit about about Rochester. Rochester is um, often the fifth poorest city in the country. Um, it's also highest murder rates per capita almost every year in New York State. I don't think it was this year, but almost every year it's the uh, highest murder rate. It's um, also I think it was voted like seven most deadliest places to live. Like Rochester, and I'm from the hood. Hood, there, I'm from deep in the middle of the project, um, so I definitely went through it. But what don't kill you makes you stronger. And I was in the school. I was in schools there that I believe the graduation rate in 2012, last time published by the Shot Report, was nine percent for black males. I repeat, nine percent for so, black males.
0: Say that one. Say that one more time, bro. Because like I, yo, I really don't think that people understand how bad some of these school districts are.
1: So you're saying that it was 9%? No, 9%. That means 91% did not graduate. Like, and that was published uh, in 2012 from the shot report. Right. And so, you know, they've had some increases, but they haven't disaggregated for black males really since then. Um, but if you look at it, man, it was terrible and it's still terrible. Right now, Rochester just did cuts where they cut, um, and they, because they're having budgetary issues. Like okay. They got to make like $30 million worth of cuts in the middle of the year. Yeah, and and, and it's just that, they're doing look, a disservice. When, right?
0: I, when I, saw, I saw, I think I might have saw a Facebook post or something like that, man, you were doing some yeah. phenomenal things in terms of like just the outreach for the Rochester teachers. I know that, you know, they're about to lay off a lot of teachers and
1: you took it upon yourself to go up and,
0: and recruit some of those teachers to give them jobs,
1: right? Absolutely. I went up there and spent a whole day. I sat there for, for a whole day. And just uh, waited, try to talk with teachers, interview teachers, try to recruit and hire as many as I had the opportunity to, you know, just to do something to give back, man. Because you know I hate to see teachers lose their job, man. Teachers are are really the heart of of the schools. Teachers are the heart of our kids, man, and they're so needed and so important and so necessary. But they, we definitely need good teachers, though. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. <laughs> but they need it. They need it. Yeah. Um, and so you know, I just tried. It was my way of trying to give back a little bit, man, to my city that gave a lot to me, um, where, you know, I was able to learn and grow from. Right. So like one, as a, as a school leader, one of the biggest, uh,
0: things that I hear from teachers is that you school leaders, y'all don't remember how it was to be in the
1: classroom.
0: Like, how do you keep yourself grounded?
1: See, and you know, that's crazy because I, I how can you forget, you know, <laughs> you, you don't, you don't get to leadership and, and become a leader if if that if you want a want good at what you do you know so I had to be a good teacher I wasn't I wasn't the type of teacher that uh, didn't teach I was the type of teacher that wanted to be the best at everything I did and so um, you know it was a foundation for me so but also because I had to move from becoming a phys ed teacher to an instructional leader yeah. so I had to I had to really take the time. And spend the time learning what good instruction looked like.
0: Yeah. So I had
1: to stu- i had to study the pedagogy. I had to stud- study delivering pedagogy. I had to just study, study, um, because I have to be able to do it as good, if not better, than any teacher in my building. And so, you know, I try to keep it fresh and keep it new. And you know, if if they, I can, I can walk it in. I can talk it. Yeah. you so know, you know, but at the same time, it's difficult because um you know people do sometimes forget there's times where teachers they they, i've heard that comment too bro all the time but then you know part of the way i keep it fresh is when you know i I still do pds and when i do pds um or if i have to go model in the classroom i can do it as good if not better than they can do it um you know so 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 i try to keep that there but i try to keep them engaged and keep them enthralled and you know, and I try to stay on top of the craft as well. Yeah. And, and, you know, I learn I learned from my teachers as well. You know, I'm humbled by them.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Some of these teachers, man, you go in their classrooms, you're like, damn, this is a real kick-ass lesson. And you definitely got to give them their props. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm with you on that. But, you know, it, I also like what you said about going in and modeling lessons. I think that, that keeps me fresh as a school leader, too, because, you know, I can go in some of these classes and show you that I can teach circles around you, one. So then, therefore, you have to listen to me because I kind of know what I'm talking about. And it helps us as school leaders because it's like, damn, well, he's not just saying this. He kind of knows what he's talking about.
1: No, absolutely. You, you know, when you look at the tenets of leadership, you know, I, I go through and um I really believe in Cousin's and Posner's work. Mm-hmm. So Cousin's and Posner, they um, got like five tenets of leadership. The first one is model the way. And so... You know, and that's, that's, you have to be able to model the way it, it, when you're leading for people to follow, they got to see that you're invested and that you're doing it as well. You know, you know, that's, that's crucial. Um, the second one is inspire a shared vision. You know, third one is challenge the process. Fourth is, you know, you enable uh, others to act. And then the fifth one is encourage the heart. And so I really try to take, take that to heart, man. I try to put those tenants into practice every day.
0: That's what's up, man. Thanks for dropping that knowledge. So so what are so the book. Man, talk to these people about the book, man. I got a, a famous yeah. author
1: on this, man. Let's go. Hey man, I, I got I got two books. Yeah. I got my Wait, my, it's two books. First, yeah, I got two books, bro. I got two books. The first <laughs> the first the first book was um, based off of my dissertation work, which uh, was turned into a book based on winning dissertation of the year for the college. Yep. and so this was years ago but it's uh, cyberbullying breaking the cycle of conflict and um, it's basically a qualitative study on black females experience with cyberbullying an urban environment mm-hmm. so i was one of the first researchers that looked at cyberbullying national from a black females perspective because most researchers um, when they about 90 percent of the research was all with white females from the age of 12 to 24 and so i looked at i looked at it um, from a black females perspective and i kind of came up with Uh, the research came up with a cycle of conflict that's able to be utilized in urban schools to help solve and resolve conflict uh, between our young ladies and really anyone. So that's my first book. And then that one doesn't get talked about as much because it's heavy on the research. And so, you know, you got to be into that stuff to to really want to um, get into the research and understand. But, you know, also anyone can take a look at it because it's written in a way that you know, the lay person could understand, but you got to be a little bit of an egghead to want to hear that one. Right, and then but, so. But, but
0: so, so when we're talking about the academy, as you know, I'm, I'm in dissertation as well right now. Yes, and um, I mean, one of the things that I, I think in, in writing my dissertation, because I'm I'm almost done with chapter three right now, is God that. God bless you. Yeah.
1: God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a struggle,
0: let me tell you. But um, writing for the lay person. I think that yeah. a, a lot of academics don't really do that. So to to hear you talk about that, I think that's extremely important. But yeah,
1: the second book. Yeah, the second book is called um, We Need to Do Better, Changing the Mindset of Children. That's the one through, I know about. Uh, yeah, yes, through family, community, and education. And so, you know, this book has been a blessing, man. It's it, it opened up doors for me where I've been able to speak about it in my other platforms with edu- about education all over the country. Like I've been on Roland Martin. I've been with T.D. Jakes. Um, I've spoken at most of uh, quite a few historically black colleges throughout the South. Um, so, you know, it's just been an honor and a blessing, man. And, you know, I continue to still uh, do things based on, on, on that work. And because it really has to do with changing our mindset and going through uh, individual through uh, individual journey plus a historical context on trying to change our mindset from going through more of a fixed mindset to a growth mindset and helping kids to do it on top of also talking about best educational practices that, um, schools should be having, uh, at any, at any level, you know, I, I, I've built systems that work in schools, yeah. So I have some me- methodology that I, I bring to the table based on systems that really anyone could, um, implement is based off of research and practice where, these systems, you know, they, you, you can make them fit for your own self, but these systems work, man. And, and you see, you hear the results, man. We, we do our thing, but it really has to do with uh, making sure you have the systems and then teaching people how to pull the systems off.
0: Yeah. But like, so, so talk to me about, because you said that it's kind of cookie cutter in terms of you can make it fit for anywhere, but like, I don't know, I'm going to push you on that because I feel like you need Probably. more, you need more in an in a, in a urban school environment than you do in a suburban school environment. That's why it's so it's so easy for suburban uh, schools to keep their teachers and for their teachers to want to be there. I feel like you got to do a You got to do some additional work in, in in these schools that's in the hood. What's your take on that? Oh,
1: amen. You, no, you, you ain't never lied. Like you're absolutely right. Like that, it, it's so much more difficult um, because there's so many more challenges, and and the things that we have to deal with are just are crazy on a daily basis. And the things that poverty brings. And, and just that our people have to deal with. But um, quite honestly, like the systems, I wouldn't say that they're cookie cutter, but when you look at their, so, so based off of, I, I use a lot of John Hattie's work. Okay. Um, he did a meta, he did a meta analysis of 800 meta analysis on what works for school. So a lot of people, you know, when school districts say, oh, we need more money.
0: yeah, It
1: really ain't got nothing to do with the money. It doesn't have nothing to, nothing to do with the building. So it really breaks down to about four tenants. And so off of these four tenants, I derive systems that work. And so these systems work for urban kids. So now you have to hire the right people and you have to inspire the right people to pull these off. So it's not simple, but if anybody wants to, um, if you have the blueprint, like if you had the blueprint, you, you could build the house. Now you might have to learn how to build the house, but you could build it if you had the blueprint. Right. Um, so, you know, that's my thing is I like to work with leaders and give them the blueprint. And that's kind of where, where I'm at in life at the next phases in my career is trying to give people, um, and work with them because I want more educators to establish this type of success. Um, like I know it can be done. So the, like those four tenants, the first one is how do you build relationships? So everything stems off in of relationships with our kids. Yes. And so, you know, th- there's specific things that we do to build relationships. Um, and then, so the second thing is, um, is how do you deliver teaching and learning? So from how you plan to how you grade to um, how you deliver the instruction to you know um, how do you keep kids engaged? So there's there's uh, how do you assess, uh, and that moves into the third tenet: is how do you use data to inform instructional decisions? Yeah. And so a lot of people talk about it, but they don't be about it. So you got it, you know. So you got to use the data to inform the instructional decisions from breaking down. The failures, to setting goals, to analyzing um, test data, to having teachers do uh, reteach plans based off the data and teaching them how to do it and how to use it on a daily basis and giving them feedback from their tests and assessments. I mean, so there's systems and methods that we utilize. And then on the last piece is the piece that's the hardest, and this is where a lot of people fall short, is accountability. So accountability is for it's man, don't be telling me it.
0: coming over here talking saying those dirty words, man.
1: You know people don't want to hear about, hear about being accountable. <laughs> yeah, you know, but but this is what makes it work, huh? Yeah. So, you know, like, for example, you, like, you got to be able to hold kids, you got to be able to hold staff accountable, and you got to even hold your parents accountable. Yeah. So, so and, and not to say that any of those things are easy, but that's what separates the good from the great is how you follow up on things. So you could have some great ideas, But if you don't follow up and keep people accountable, um, and you know, there's an art to it because accountability doesn't mean that you are, um, being dictator. Accountability means collaboration. Accountability means getting people on the same account and making sure that they're following a shared vision. Like accountability is so much more than, you know, do as I say, you know? And so, so it's not easy. But if those four like main pillars are in place in the school, and this, and like I said, I have I have systems and I have items that go underneath those uh, different pillars. Um, you can teach somebody how to do those things, and those things are what really has been able to create a successful environment wherever I've been. Right. So Albany, Albany is a
0: different animal, man. I went to undergrad at Albany. Shout out to What's the there? new town, bros. Um yep. Ooh, What? Woo, woo. what what, is it, what, what does it look like there now? Because I know, you know, for the last couple of years has been very dangerous in, in, in Albany. Yeah, man, Albany
1: is, is rough, man, um, because the, the city is, so when you look at the city, there's only about 97,000 people in the city of Albany, but you look at the surrounding county areas in the capital region, there's about 800,000, mm-hmm. but the poverty in Albany is very concentrated. So almost all of the minorities, which is majority black, Live in in the within the city realm, and all the poverty is con- concentrated on top of each other. Mm-hmm. And so on top on top of that, um, for years there's been this thing called Uptown Downtown, where it, it was crazy, man, in this corny because it's, they, they're d- divided by about uh, five minutes of, of walking distance. <laughs> but but you know, like it's real internal beef we're like uptown and downtown, like uptown kids can't walk downtown and downtown kids can't walk uptown. And, you know, and so a lot of it is even learning the culture of the community, wherever you're at and trying to be a light in that community, man, and trying to help change these things. Like we do gang prevention at our school where we have um, game prevention runs a team night out of our building for all, all Albany um, teams. So, you know, there's, it's being a part, of the community man and, and trying to build in. But Albany is definitely a unique animal and a unique monster where they don't like charter schools. Um, but the public schools have been failing for about 12 to 15 years, all the public middle schools, um, and the high school has been failing. And so not to put them down because I'm sure there's great people working there and there's great things happening, but to keep doing the same things is insanity, man. So kids, are, are, kids in Albany, um, when they go to the traditional public schools like i had a teacher call me the other day man and said she wanted she was really considering coming coming over um she was saying that she can't even teach like her that kids the accountability is so low where she stated that the kids don't have to come to school except for once a quarter and if they show up once a quarter they get at least a 55 and then the the public school district puts them online for um for credit recovery so they can make up their grade um and then it gets averaged and it's like yo she said it's a joke like she can't even teach like she has to teach with her door closed because open, there's fights going on in front of her room she said it's like welcome to the jungle no and, don't um, like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> like 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 lean like lean on me like they start playing welcome welcome to the jungle yeah man, yeah, you yeah. <laughs>
0: She's <laughs> saying it's crazy. My, my favorite part of that movie when he put the locks on the door.
1: <laughs> yep. That's it. Now you can't leave. <laughs> All
0: right. So um, talk to me about the additional grades, man. You just got you. You know you, you you spoke a little bit about the traditional public schools, and like how some of those middle schools are underwhelming, and so you took on some additional grades in order to to do what? So th-
1: that's a great question, bro. Because w- what ended up happening was. I think last year, and we've, we've had it in the works for years, but last year, 84% of the kids that came to me in ninth grade, their reading and math scores were at a, a fourth grade level, mm. 84%. So that means like, and uh, most of them didn't even officially pass the eighth grade. They got passed on, dog. So this is, it is crazy. So they came to me and so I'm, I was, I'm seeing these tra- these patterns and trends. So I said, you know what? Again, man, I'm a solutions guy, so I got to be part of the solution. So what the only thing that I can think of is I need to get them earlier. So what I did was I wrote for the to extend the charter, and we opened up a middle school this year where we started it in sixth grade. Yeah. And so, um, and then we're going to grow out to seventh and then eighth. So I started in sixth grade, and I and even the kids that came to me in sixth grade. 50% of those kids were reading at a pre K to third grade level wow. and doing the math. And so my goal is to close gaps. So I designed a program that is based on closing gaps and it's built into their school day where it's project based and hands on where STEM is built into their day every day. They have a STEM class where they are building robots. They're building ro- ro- rocket launching, structural engineering, home trade construction, they're, this is all in sixth grade, man. They, the first week of school, they had a miniature um, boot camp where they were, became young entrepreneurs and businessmen where they uh, opened up their own uh, tea business, where they had hydroponic gardens, where they learned how to grow strawberries and tea leaves, um, where they actually wrote uh, the starts of a business plan. They pitched their business plans, and now they're actually selling their products at different um, basketball games. So like they have became true entrepreneurs from the day they walked into the door. So this is, these are some of the skills that we're trying to teach them and close these gaps, man. So I had to get them earlier and, and I'm trying to give them education differently. I want them to see education as something that they want, that they need and that they value and that they get it different than they've ever gotten it before. So that's, that's kind of what we're trying to, we're trying to build a dynasty, man, where our kids are successful and, they they just are some of the strongest students and ready for college.
0: Man, that's amazing, man! Kudos for for that good work. But don't don't you find it troubling at the fact that there's all this animus towards charter schools, and we're out here and we're the ones that are doing this amazing work with these black kids. And you 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 see these people, mostly middle aged teacher union public school teachers that you know and and, and their union leaders that just don't want to see this kind of work happening, man. What's your response to that?
1: You know, it's it's sad, man, because if you really are about kids, and I'll be real with you, I'm not pro-charter or pro-public. I'm pro-good school. Yes. So And so um, what's sickening to me is if you became – if you forget your why. So, you know, part of your why, no matter who you are, has to be because you're about our kids. And so – there has to be some part of you that got into education because of that. But if you forget about that because of a dollar. And so that's why most uh, traditional public schools have problems with charter schools because it hurts their bottom line. And see most of the people that have these opinions don't even fully understand how charter schools are funded and don't understand the uh, accountability and the rigor that charter schools have to go through to remain open.
0: It is ironic that you mentioned that, man, because I'm I'm, I'm talking to somebody on Twitter today and um bro. guy down in Texas was like, charter schools have no accountability. And so my response was, bro, if I underperform they with regards <laughs> to with regards to my sending district, so for example, I'm I'm out in Riverhead. If Riverhead Central right. School District outperforms me a couple years in a row, my school is done.
1: Absolutely. But see, the problem is, and here's what I kind of found out at doing a little homework, is that New York and Massachusetts are the two states that have the highest accountability. As to where some states, um, Texas, Louisiana, um, and a few other states, Florida, I don't believe the accountability is very high. So sometimes they have you, you know, somebody's daddy's pastor opening a school that doesn't, and no offense to the pastor, but that doesn't really understand understand education. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, they just have some of everybody opening a school because they feel like, you know, that they can make some money off of it and help some kids, but don't really understand what it takes to open a school. And so that that's A, that's giving charter schools a bad rep. Another reason why charter schools have a bad rep is because, um, too many times the people who have opened charter schools have done it with the mindset where they go into it as it's a competition and we're going to shut you down. And what's crazy is you're not going to shut the public school down. No, I mean, it's ever, a machine. Ever. You, you're not going <laughs> to shut the public school down. It's not possible. All charter schools is, is a choice. Yes. So it gives, it gives our low income families and our other families who probably can't afford a private schooler to move to the suburbs a choice. And it's not a choice that's for everybody, right. you know? So there's, there's good and bad charter schools. So let's keep it real. Yes. But again, you know, it's a choice. So why wouldn't you, like, they don't get mad at people for sending their kids to private schools. No. So why, why would you get mad at a charter school? And the only reason is, man, is because it comes down to the dollars and cents. And then what they don't understand, like in New York State, we only get two-thirds of what the traditional public school gets. Yes, sir. So, you, you know, when we bill the public school, which gets the money from the state, which I'm sure, you know, I don't know if all the listeners know, right. but so, um, we build the, ch- we build the public school, um, that gets the money from the state. The state gives it to the public school. We prove that the child's in our seats. So for example, in Albany, they Albany high school or Albany school district gets about $23,000 per child. So I only get 15, eight of that. So let's say the other, um, seven, $8,000, they keep that as transitional money even though I'm 100% responsible for educating the child. And the reason why they're unhappy is because it affects their bottom line. But they don't understand it affects our bottom line. Of a school of 350, 400 kids, you know, that that dollars $8,000, that's roughly around $2.8 million a year that we don't see even though we're 100% responsible for the child. Yeah. So, and imagine, you, you know... you're doing some
0: amazing yeah.
1: things now. Imagine you had 2.8. Yeah, I, I, yo, we could... We could build the Taj Mahal for the kids, you know, like it's it just it's just crazy, though, but that's that those are some of the things that we face, and people are angry because we're providing a choice. Like no one has to come to us. It's a choice. Uh, um and and if it's a good choice, send your kids there. you know? I, I hate the political machine, man. I hate the politics behind it all and it's some sucker, you know, I don't know if I could curse, but it's some sucker stuff because <laughs> at at at, at, the, at the end of the day, though, that's it's it's not about that, man. It's about our babies and these and these kids and these youth and providing them the best option, man. It's not about the bottom line. If they were doing it right, would would there be a need for charter
0: school? There would be, there be no need. need. There wouldn't be any need. And that's that's always been my argument, bro. It's like, yo, if you were doing your job right, then we wouldn't exist. And people act like Public schools weren't shitty before charter schools even came into existence. But
1: well, that's why they came into existence. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it just it's crazy. And, and like I said, I'm not anti-public school. No, um, I'm not at I'm, all. Just, I'm, just, I'm just anti-bad school. I'm I'm pro-good school. Yeah, so and like, pro-good leaders, pro-good teachers. Yeah,
0: and that's all. That's that's been my stance as well, man. I'm 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 hard pressed on that, like. Man, if you are a bad school, it doesn't matter if you're a charter school, parochial school, private school, cyber school, you need to
1: close. Yeah, you know, you, you know, definitely, definitely is not. They, they don't let bad surgeons continue operating.
0: <laughs> That's
1: a fact, bro. All right. So last thing, man, you got yeah. you got a
0: barbershop, bro. Yeah, man. Man, we, talk you to me know, about like that. that. Talk to
1: me how that came to fruition, man. I'm jealous. So, no <laughs> so, so, nah, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, bro. Um, I, I I know it's all love. It's that the thing is, is that I really knew we needed to do something differently for our kids because you need a hook with the education, but you also need something where they can be career in college, not just college ready, but career ready too. Yeah. And so, and giving them the skills necessary to do so. And so, we had some extra space. So, through donations, I, I raised some money. I was able to create, um, and turn a space into, I actually created a barbershop and a construction tech lab. Oh, wow. And so, and so, um, the construction, and I had to send you some pictures, but I have a, I have a full service barbershop that's better than most barbershops that, that you'll see almost anywhere. Uh And so I have, um, we built that and we built a full, um, construction tech lab, like in the construction tech lab, they have land surveying, electrical work, power tools, plumbing, roofing, drywall, all these things they're working on because I have a program where we're in the process of buying our own land, yeah, building our building our own house on the land and then we're selling the house right in the community that our school is in and ho- hopefully we can get somebody who is associated with the school to purchase it to try to build up the community around the school and also make a profit for the school. Yeah. Um so so I've been able to do that on top of the barber shop where kids are learning to become certified, get their barbers where they're going to get their license and they're going to be able to uh, really be able to help themselves. I, my goal would be that they use it.